Thank you, snowboarding. Thank you, snowboarding. Thank you, snowboarding. 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 Hey friends, how you doing? It's Chris here with Thank You Snowboarding, the podcast diving into UK snowboard culture. In association with the Snowboard Asylum, who have been taking care of British snowboarders since the dawn of time, it would seem. They are the OGs and uh, it's entirely appropriate that they are looking after us here at Thank You Snowboarding. So this week's episode, um, Tom Kingsnorth is the man behind Transform Gloves. And I've known Tom since he was about 11 years old. He turned up as a little grom at our local dry slope, Bromley Dry Slope in South East London and could take some shit and he could give it out. And he was always good fun to be around. He was so stoked on snowboarding. He had very supportive parents. And uh, yeah, so I've known him for a long time, but it's been a really long time since I've last seen him. Uh, I remember bumping into him on the Hintertux Glacier. I guess he must have only just moved out there. And then again, I think I bumped into him at the Snow Dome for some event or other, but these are all long time ago. And uh, so this is one of my favorite episodes so far, getting to chat with him on Zoom getting to catch up and talk about old times he's a he's a funny guy and i love what he's doing and the way he's running transform gloves it's really interesting he is now based out in innsbruck in austria which is a long long way from uh the southeast london humble beginnings and uh, yeah really proud of him really proud of him for just making it knowing at such a young age that this was going to be something he was going to do all his life and uh, having the conviction to actually follow it through, to put himself out into the unknown and to make snowboarding his life. So yeah, just stoked for him and stoked that he wanted to do the podcast and it's great to catch up with him. Uh, We're actually gonna meet up in Larks next week. I'm going over for the uh, Larks Open and he's gonna be there and I'm so looking forward to seeing him in the flesh and sitting down and having a pint with him. It really feels like some sort of circle closing on this one. So, um, yeah, here we go. Tom Kingsnorth. Let's do it. You do not look, apart from Natasha, you don't look any different. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> say that, that I aged uh, pretty well. Fucking hell, it's like stepping back in time. You're looking <laughs> good, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. You don't oh, look no. uh, much different either, to be I honest. fucking feel it, though. <laughs> yeah, I feel it too. <laughs> How's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Where just, are you? Uh, I'm in Innsbruck. We just moved house like um, last month. I've been living in Meyerhofen. Right. Um, but my girlfriend, I, I've just been spending less and less time there. And uh, Innsbruck's just like a real sick city, you know, like and the mountains are here as well. So just spending less time in Meyerhofen and more in Innsbruck. And uh, yeah, last month we fully made the move. I just actually gave my keys back today for the no old Meyerhofen. So yeah, we got a kitten and um, yeah, new life here. Well, Sweet. same old life, but yeah, bit of a change. Has that been a bit of a move for Transform or is that not really a big deal? Not really for Transform. It's it's a bit different here. Like, I mean, obviously Innsbruck's a city and Meyerhofen's like a proper small ski resort town like my home is awesome because um you know i live two minutes away from the gondola and i could just go riding you know you work till 12 or 1 or whatever and you're like right i'm gonna go 
blast around for a little bit and Innsbruck's a little bit tougher to find like some snow but it's still like on your doorstep pretty much how long were you in Meyerhofen for um probably like 20 years like on is it that long so yeah it was literally came from dry soap you know it was like one day oh, i'm just going to check out this place Meyerhofen and then never really came back so i was 17 then and uh yeah i turned 40 in march <laughs> yeah just over, just over 20 years um, that's yeah. so sick i remember bumping into you must have been a board test i guess up on the glacier yeah i'd literally just and made- you, yeah and i think you were saying i'll weren't you working in a kitchen or, so, or in a hotel or something and yeah I think like so. you were proper like season airing it yeah i just didn't have a clue like how long i'd even be there for you know it was like i'm just gonna try and see if i can make it work you know never lived yeah. abroad before and it was like oh okay now i'm in now i'm in this new town and i've got to <laughs> kind of make it work but um luckily i had people like chris carr and tim ho they were like looking of out of course yeah they were they were awesome and uh yeah i actually got there in the summer i did a summer season in my before winter because it was that spc camp yeah of course and um yeah that was it it was literally like straight into the industry from getting off the train in my <laughs> why did you choose that um it was weird actually because i was gonna always i'd always gonna ski holidays in france and yeah les arc and Leders alps so i always just i didn't really know about austria to be honest yeah. And then it was on board, did that video. It was called Board Games. And it was um, right. VHS on the front of Onboard Mag. And most of it was in Meyerhofen. Right. And I was wow, this place looks awesome. And the riders look cool. And I was like, right, I'm just going to turn up there. And um, yeah, Chris Carr and Tim Hode and those guys had apartment. So I think my dad was like, oh, can uh, Tom stay for you a bit? They're like, well, how long? <laughs> like, well, good question. <laughs> we don't know. But um, I basically got there straight off the train. I remember I turned up in the summer and I'd only been to resorts in winter before. So I turned up, I was on the plane and like wearing my thermals and all my, like, <laughs> <laughs> all my outerwear. And I get off the train, like, I got the train in my hop and it was like 30 yeah. degrees, you know. Of course and I'm, it was. I'm dressed for AK. <laughs> I was like, well, it's hotter than I thought it would be, you know, just complete alien. Like, um, but the first person I saw walking down the street was Peter Line. And I'm like, wow, it was unreal. Going from like, you know, school in Lucian, Southeast London, it yeah. was like turning up and you go to the pub there, Scotland Yard. I think I was 17. I spent a fortune my first night, but you walk into the bar. It was like walking in and seeing like Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and everyone in one yeah. pub, you know, and it was just like, wow, I've arrived. This is awesome, you know. So that was uh, that was incredible to go there at that time. And yeah. literally everyone in snowboarding was at that camp at the time. And Meyerhofen was like the hub of snowboarding at one point, which was crazy. It was sick. Yeah, so didn't onboard, let... onboard had their offices there, didn't they? Or Method yeah. or somebody? Yeah, onboard have had offices there, and then later Method had offices there. But um, I miss the onboard offices. But like all the crew were there; they were all around, and like Transworld were there for that summer. It was literally right. every every brand, every team manager, every writer, every filmer in the business was there. You know, it was it was a special time for my health. And so uh, yeah, I never really left really. <laughs> Just, uh, hold well, on we're, to we're gonna get back to that, but we've already got a couple of things that we need to talk about um which is your your mum and dad oh yeah wow 
I mean, your dad is a fucking legend. Well, your mum's a legend as well. Yeah. I used to love chatting with her at the dry slope. Yeah, she was really cool. Like, they <clears throat> they knew that I was stoked on snowboarding, so they would just, you know, they'd take me to that dry slope every week, and, yeah. you know, my dad would pick me up, which is, I was thinking about this, it's quite a long effort for them to go and do that, you know, and they would be there and hang around. My dad would have a few beers, but I think they just knew that that was my future, you know, and they yeah, gave me... It, it was cool the way your dad used to just... Like, he didn't feel like your dad, do you know what I mean? He'd come and chat with everyone and just be hanging out as well. It was really cool. Yeah, and he's still, he's still got that attitude. He came out last week, actually. Like, he, it snowed on the Friday, and he called yeah. me. He was like, right, I need to go snowboarding. I was like, why don't you just come? Like, because Innsbruck's like an hour and a half from Gatwick, and he yeah. lives like half an hour away on the train from Gatwick. I was like, we've got a guest room. Why don't you just come out? So he's 72 now. He just... He's like, no right, way. Oh. Yeah. So he's 72. Shit. He came on the Monday and that was it, shredding. And uh, he's going to the gym all the time just so he can snowboard, basically. Really? Um, he is crazy. Like, he's got that Burton, the Burton step on bindings that a lot of people yeah, yeah. have now as they get older. And um, man, it's changed. It's probably given him another 10 years of snowboarding at least because he just. He can keep up with me. He's fast, but it was just doing up the bindings that slowed him down with his hips or whatever. Yeah. But now he's on that. Yeah, there's no stopping him. And I always take it, you know, a few slow turns at first, and I'll just gradually increase my speed, and he'll be right behind me. Like, there's no, like, no messing around with him. He's, like, right on it. So, yeah, fair play to yeah, him. Yeah, man, your your parents, yeah, they, they were really cool. They really supported you. And I think... Yeah. And I think... Also, I don't know if it had happened when we met you. So for people listening, we we rode at the same dry slope and Tom is a grown up now, but when you when we first met, I guess it must have been after my first season and I started going down there with Dave. Yeah. You were quite small. It's like your boot, boots and bindings. The total weight of your boots and bindings probably weighed more than you did. I think the boo went uh, like just below my kneecap, you know, they were massive. They basically. were massive. <laughs> yeah, I was about 11, I think, 11 or 12 when I turned up at Bromley and I had yeah. like bright neon pink fleece. I remember that. I'd done like a ski trip and my dad was like, oh, you can go at the dry soap. So I used to go down there and then I was hanging out with you guys way old. You guys must have been like 17, 18, I think. I'd have been like nineteen, twenty. Nineteen, and I was like eleven or twelve, and I yeah. instantly like felt a part of that group, you know, like yeah, pretty, pretty quick, which is awesome. As yeah, and I really looked up to everyone on the dry soap, and they were literally the best times, you know, like growing up and just like the magic of snowboarding. Even though it was Bromley dry soap, and it was a bit shit, but it was at the time it was, it was amazing. Yeah, didn't you have um? Didn't you have an Atlantis Daniel Frank as well? I did actually. I just bought one recently. For no way. That was it. I what found a reissue. No, oh, original, you got an original? Yeah, it was like 50 quid on like Austrian eBay, so I've got one. <laughs> I took it out for a spin, actually, and it was horrific to run. <laughs> like, so stiff and like gross. But um, yeah, I was over the moon with that board. But I remember riding the for the first eight months or something, you know, I wanted a board and my parents were like, I'm not, we're not getting you a board until you show that you are really into this. Yeah. So I was riding those like baby kickers on 
on Bromley Dry Soap on the hard boot setup, you know, they had like those corn the cob boards or like the mint. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were they, like, Rook, Rook Snow? Was it yeah, Rook? Rook, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, I remember hitting the kickers like, you know, like a race dance with hard boots like from a rental place. Fucking hell, man. They just didn't have a clue about what snowboarding <laughs> was going to become, did they? My mum told me recently that my dad got me the first board from uh, Martin Drayton, actually, in Snowboard Asylum. And they were working out, you know, which board to get me and stuff. And my dad was like, oh, let's keep him on the hard boots because then we can save some money and he can borrow the boots from the dry soap. And my mum was like, there's no way. Like, he's been talking about getting out of those hard boots forever. So, yeah, thanks, mum, for that. You saved me from being a racer. Yeah, big up your mum. I think we all had crushes on your mum, to be fair. Really? Yeah. She's coming out next week, I'll tell her. She, yeah, do, do, send her, do send her our best. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. But I was um, yeah, talking about that dry soap because obviously the people I meet here, you know, Scandinavians, Austrians, Germans, they have never heard of dry soap. They just don't understand it. And I was saying if it snowed, like you'd be watching neighbours at like 5.30 and it started to rain and you're like, mate, let's get down to the dry soap because it will be nice and fast. You know, it was yeah. like a powder day. Like just to hit those kickers <laughs> with a bit of glide was just the best feeling. Going in the summer and burning through the base of your board <laughs> in one session. Yeah. You just yeah go to Halfords and get all that back to black. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Furniture polish. No, what was it? It was like car light polish. You'd yeah. spray that on your boards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were great. I had the best time there. And then after I did a couple of seasons and went back to ride it, I was like, I'm going to show everyone what's up. And like, it's not the same, is it? First run, ripped the ligaments <laughs> on my shoulder and never no. rode it again. Never again. Well, I don't know if you saw, I stuck a couple of pictures up from when Bromley closed down. Leather jacket. Very nice. Yeah. I thought, do you know what? I was really like, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to turn up. No, I'm not going to know anyone. I'm going to fucking throw it down. And I was absolutely shitting myself. Like yeah. I was I stood at the top, like physically shaking. My body was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever been so scared on a snowboard. I would, I would not ride it now. I'd be terrified. Yeah. And just to think that some of the stuff we, we did up there, you know, we'd make those kickers that someone would just turn up like, oh, we've just made this kicker. And you're like, oh, that looks cool. And it would be like unrideable, you know. <laughs> Fucking we'd launch ramp. Cut, we'd have to cut a meter off the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're landing like fully flat as well. Yeah. Like no transition at all. Remember that? There was that guy. He was called Guy. He worked in the, he had the record shop in Greenwich. And I remember That's they right. caught a pipe at the bottom. That was yeah deadly this thing and he just <laughs> we left straight lines basically from the top and he just went massive like ingemar kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> just complete carnage and they like we protested about them sometimes at slope but they would basically let us bring whatever we wanted on a truck and we were just like okay we're just going to attach this kicker to your slope and ride it you know yeah they were fairly sort of like live and let live weren't they like if you want to do it yeah, you're doing it. Man. You're doing it under your own steam, and you know, go and hurt yourself if you like. Just don't. Yeah. We've got nothing to do with it. It was good. Yeah, they were fun times, definitely. They were. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about because I remember. I don't know if I knew you because you went to like a private school, didn't you? And then you got flipped out of that because your parents were worried that you were turning yeah. into an entitled little boy. I think, no, it was a mixture of things. I was like, 
I went there until I was about 10. And once I saw about 11, and once I saw snowboarding, I was like, what? People can just live in a resort and go snowboarding every day. And once I saw that, that was a possibility for life. That was it. I think it was that movie came out, Odd Man Out. That was the one that did it for me. Right. Every other video was, you know, Colorado or Alaska. And that one, they just rented a van and drove out. And I was like, well, I could rent a van. I could go to the Alps in a rented van. And then I was like, oh, that's actually like a possibility that I could do that. Is that when your parents decided that paying for an education might be a waste of money? Really out the window. (laughs) Um, So they sent me to, yeah, the local school. Mate, what a change that was. Like going from that one school to that one in Kidbrook, Thomas Tallis, it's called. Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah, it was right in the middle of the Ferrier Estate, it was called at the time, which was quite a notorious estate in South London. It is, yeah. Well, it was. It was, yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of naughty characters there, so I knew I'd have to adjust like, pretty quickly. So that's why I had the old classic um, bowl cut my mum would give me straight to a skinhead. I think within a week, <laughs> I just blend in a bit, mate. Yeah, that was uh, definitely an experience going there. You'd but it's a way because, like, because I think that gave you, like, because you fitted right in with us. And like, you know, yeah. obviously it's just the classic, everyone's giving each other a bit of shit. Yeah. But even at such a young age, you could kind of, you were in the mix. Do you know what I mean? Like you had humour in, like, you know, you had some humour going for, you know what I mean? You could cut people down and it, it sort of worked. Yeah. I think that's, that's carried, I've carried that through. Like I've tried to soften it a bit <laughs> from back in the day, but um, yeah. Definitely, definitely have that still. I think that's like a South London thing, you know, maybe going to football or something. But, um, yeah, my mum's very witty like that. So I think I get that side of my personality from her. Yeah. It was definitely a a good move from them. At the time, I was like, oh, my God, this is – I'm going to be in trouble here. But, yeah, I had to adapt quickly and uh, I didn't have any drama, which was good. I mean, it could have crushed you easily, couldn't it? But it probably made you more – and possibly gave you the impetus to kind of be like at age seventeen, just be like, "Well, I'm go, I'll go to Europe. What's the worst that can happen?" Yeah, exactly. And because my dad, like, he's you know he's a photographer since the sixties, you know, and his brother's like a woodworker, and his other brother's a metal worker, like very traditional jobs. Yeah. And he was, oh, I'm going to go to. He's from um, Kent in the countryside. He's like, right, I'm going to move to London. I'm going to be a photographer. And his parents are like, what's that? You know, but like, oh, you should go for it, you know, and try it out. Yeah. So he was very like open. He knew that snow well, we'd been riding together and he knew that it was like a good thing, you know. He was like, You should do it. Like, what have you got to lose? You can always go back and go back to school if it doesn't work out. So yeah, I left with yeah, didn't even do my yeah, did my GCSEs and then quit like the first year before A levels. Yeah. I got out there and yeah, so Simon Nicholson, I think, and Simon Nichols, and he was like, Simon Nichols. Yeah, he was like, mate, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro snowboarder, which it obviously wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, you're 17, whatever. But, yeah, I found my way, thankfully. I mean, that's that's incredible. I think, like, possibly me and you have got, like, that's one of the things we've I've realised that we might have in common is that I just want to be, I just I'd, I'd want to get out of here. Yeah, and kind of snowboarding was the sort of mechanism by which it was like, right, that can take me somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. And I've just met 
hundreds of people that have had the same thing. You know, they're like snowballing right. school. I'm going to move to Innsbruck. Innsbruck's a big hub for it as well. A lot of students here that yeah. pick Innsbruck's a town because they can go riding. And yeah, I think snowboarding is just such a good opportunity to not escape because it wasn't really escape. It was just to explore different places really and meet yeah. people like, on the same the same mindset as you. Which you know, at my school at the time, there was no one, no one who was snowboarding. Or whatever there was, you you guys in the Bromley Dry, so obviously on the same path, but a lot of people yeah. had jobs and stuff. And I was, yeah, I was free to do whatever, really. So I took the opportunity and went for it. Because you already knew Chris Carr and Tim, didn't you? Because you used, you used yeah. to appear up at Beckton a bit as well when that was a thing. Yeah, I used to go to Beckton. So it was Chris Carr and, um, yeah, Tim Hode. Chris Carr was like legend, you know? He was like so good back then as well. I just remember thinking like he was like, amazing so the chance to stay with him was crazy and then it was gary greenshields in our apartment as well oh right yeah and i'd only seen him from the magazines and he was like whoa like next level you know because he'd be in snowwood uk and had a checkout or something yeah it was those guys and the guy andy irvin who was right they were all riding for i think chris was like the convert team manager or tim hode was but they were all right. riding for convert and they were all like filming and taking photos and stuff so they really took me under their wing and showed me what was up really i don't even think i paid rent that summer i think they just kind of looked after me <laughs> <laughs> that's called paying it forward i think isn't it yeah i think so i just didn't have a clue like i hadn't been away like away without my family before i just didn't know what was going on so I had to learn but i'm sure they taught me the way so yeah so what happened then like after your sort of first summer what were you thinking? Summer, oh man, I was just, I was just blown away that it was exactly like you'd imagine it. You know, like one day I'm going to go out and live abroad, and I'm going to meet and ride with all these famous snowboarders, and that's going to be my life. And that's exactly kind of how it was. You know, the first people I met were the people from the videos I'm still friends with. You know, there was a guy Steve Gruber. Who, legend in the game yeah and I mean, he, funnily enough i met him at the scotland yard i had a chat with him yeah, one night yeah. at the scotland yard he's in scotland yard quite regularly <laughs> <laughs> but he was literally straight from the vhs you know in south london i met him and he was as cool as you'd want him to be you know and we still go riding to, to now he's like he's awesome so it was just really good opportunity to meet those people and to find out they were cool and they were interested in what you did and you know you were part of the gang very much like in the Bromley Dry Soap where you turned up and you were part of the gang like straight away which was cool so yeah did you um, manage to turn your sort of fanboy sort of volume down because I remember you used to be quite impressed by lots of things I know this sounds a bit patronizing but I remember when Steve Bailey came down with us once and I remember you being like fucking shaking with excitement. Mate, Tom Copsey. Do you know Tom Copsey used to yeah, be the yeah. on board? He's yeah. going to absolutely love you saying that because I went into <laughs> Snowboard Asylum. I think I was like 12 and it was Steve Bailey there. Yeah. And it was like God was in there. And I was like, oh my God, it's are you Steve Bailey? And I, <laughs> yeah, I was just... I had a million questions for him about the, you know, the nines yeah. on dry slope and new bindings that Burton were bringing out. And like, yeah, real, like you say, like real fanboy moment, starstruck, you know? Yeah. Um, I was just absorbed in snowboarding so much. Like if anyone was in a magazine or a video, they were like a real hero, definitely. I think it took a, yeah, I think probably 
a few weeks into it you get used to it because you're just and now i don't even think about it sometimes if you meet like a proper i get it sometimes if you meet someone a legend from the past you know like a proper who would legend. you who would you have to meet to to be to be frothing uh i kind of met them all now so it not really frothing but even people that i you know speak to if they message me i get a little bit like oh that's cool you know like david benedict messaged me the other day to eat like i posted it writing and he was like is it insta good or was it really good and i'm still like <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i'd be uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd fanboy a bit with benedict i always thought he was yeah. pretty cool he is cool he's yeah so i do get that little bit sometimes not so much not so much now when you got someone good in your phone do you know what i mean and you look at it and you see that guy's in my phone yeah a couple actually with with pleasure magazine has been good like you do a zoom like this for the interview and you'll be like whoa that's cool um but yeah less less what are you doing for them so i am the editor so it was in german forever like 30 years or something and two years ago they were like we're going to bring it into english as well so i'd always looked at it i'd never really bothered to read it which sounds terrible because it was in german but how is your german it's all right, actually. Like, yeah. I can understand it. It's, yeah, it's probably, my girlfriend's probably listening at the door, like, <laughs> in her head. <laughs> but um, I can get by, you know. Like, yeah. I'm, I feel like I'm never going to be fluent at it, but I can go to the dentist and speak a German, or I can go to the tax office and speak German. Um, my grammar is terrible, because the grammar here doesn't seem to make any sense to me, you know, like. Right. Um, but. Yeah, I'd say I'm all right. I understand pretty much everything. Like if I could be in the car listening, so if someone's mugging me off, I know what they're saying. <laughs> Secretly, <laughs> um, I'm not going to go and do a lecture in German. No, that, no. So, yeah, you're, I, so you're helping turn pleasure in like just... Yeah, so now it's in English and that's why they hired me. I had um, I was doing my own website called Pyramid Magazine. Oh, of course, and, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that was basically Pyramid well, I don't know where to start with this, but yeah, obviously it was, I was going to a lot of events and I was paying it out of my own pocket. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, these people were getting paid to do it. Hmm. So I'm just going to set up my own website, talk about my mates, basically talk about events and hopefully get invited to these events. And that's exactly what happens. And um, through that, I really enjoyed yeah, interviewing friends and, you know, talking about stuff that I liked with snowboarding. And that just yeah. kind of progressed and uh yeah pleasure asked me they said they're gonna do it in english can i join them and uh yeah it's been great it's been really cool like lots of travel and talking to good people about projects they're doing it's just nice to be in the scene and i like talking about friends like if they're doing cool stuff to just to make articles in print is just a really nice feeling so it's still being printed yeah still being printed we do four issues a year in German and in English, it's the same mag, different text. Um, but yeah, it's going well. And since it's been in English, it's doing really good. Like we're getting new subscribers in the US and all over Scandinavia, and people oh. that maybe have never read it before are just picking it up. Yeah, it's a it's a nice it's a nice size. It's it's like a, almost like a coffee book style magazine, you know. So it's like a nice object to have, and yeah, it's good to be a part of that. Definitely. So, what did you do in like the years? in between turning up in Meyerhofen and starting Transform? Um, I would literally do nothing in Meyerhofen. I would just go snowboarding every day and I would go back to Snowboard Asylum and work there in the summers. So the oh, right. seasons were quite short. I'd do like four months probably. 
yeah, like December till April, and then just go back to London, just work in TSA. Like, I didn't realize that you were working for them, you were holding it down at Covent Garden. (laughs) Yeah, I think every part, I think everyone in the snowboard industry has worked at TSA at one point. You know, it's just definitely at the ski shows, definitely at ski shows. Fucking hell, I put some time in there, mate. Misery, yeah, 10 days at (laughs) that. 10 days. That was a long stint out. <laughs> it's but, like the um, weekends yeah. are all right, but during the week. During the week, yeah. It's just, just deadly. Long days, weren't they? And then long nights as well. You'd always go and send it. Was it yeah. the what hotel was it? Was it? We'd always go and send it a hotel. like The Hand and Flower. That was the pub across maybe the road, it was wasn't that. it? Yeah. I worked there with Elliot Neve one summer, which was crazy. Well, you know what he's like, just getting into just dangerous situations the whole time like let loose you know yeah 17, 18 i remember we'd go out once we were like getting we're going to some party and there was a shoplifter in this local quickie mart and then next thing you know like <laughs> elliot's chasing him down the road and they're full-on fighting in the street and wow <laughs> it was always an adventure with him i was actually in there when um september 11th happened it was like my second day oh shit uh, yeah, it was that um it was on the other side of the road from where it is now. Remember they had that small little entrance point? Yeah. And uh, I think 32 had just delivered all their boots. So we were like working out where to put these boots in the shop. And then uh, they were like, right, put on a video at the front, put all these boots behind. So I put a, put on a video, like the new standard movies or whatever, put some boots around, turn around, there's like a hundred people in the shop just staring at the TV and you're like, fucking hell, what video is this? You know, is this and uh someone had just come on like fucking turn the TV on. So you put a TV on just as the first plane had gone in. No way. We were like, whoa, what's going on? And we we're watching that. And then the second plane went in. Like, yeah, I think that was my first day at TSA ever. And we just watched that unfold in London. And that was oh, man. never forget that. And um, yeah, I remember queuing up for like 45 minutes just to buy a copy of the Evening Standard on the way home because you didn't have like internet on your phone then. And that was, yeah, surreal. No, it just went mental that day, didn't it? That was really crazy. And people were leaving. Like, I remember this kid was like, right, my mum's coming to pick me up. You know, like people yeah. just didn't know what was, oh, is London next? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like crazy. And you couldn't reach anyone on the phone. It was just mayhem. But um, yeah, that was the first day at TSA. Oh, I'd forgotten that you worked there. Good old TSA. Yeah, loved it. Best. I would even, I'd go in sometimes, I would work, I was trying to save up money for a season, so I would do like 10 days on, then have a day off, and then I'd be like, do you know what, I don't, I've got nothing to do on my day off, like, <laughs> and I'd be bored after an hour at home, so I'd be like, oh, can I come into work? No, I'd just go into work. And I just Apparently- loved it. I remember Jeremy saying he was like about their shop in Milton Keynes. He was like, the staff come in on their days off because there's nothing else to do. So they just come and do more work. <laughs> yeah, that was like me. I just loved it. I was like, well, I can just talk about snowboarding all day and just get nerdy, you know, with people buying boards and stuff. It was yeah, a really cool job. And I think that's a good... It's a good intro to the industry for a lot of people as well, I think. Well, you'd have probably, through that, you'd have probably got to meet the entire UK industry at the time, wouldn't you? Yeah, a bunch of reps, definitely. They'd always come through with a shop talk and, yeah, a few riders and stuff. So, yeah, probably quite a, quite a big part of the industry would pass through at that point. How did you – well, actually, there's there's something else that I wanted to dive into. There's a subject that hasn't come up yet, talking to anyone. 
And given that you're the first person to mention the ski show. Yeah, ski show. Do you ever remember the, the legendary ski show turd? Does that ring a bell? No, I, I don't remember the turd. All right, well, just briefly then. I'm hoping to find somebody who knows more about it. I know it happened, but like somebody came out of the loose and was just like, Jesus Christ, there's a turd in there that's it's about two foot long. And I think somebody took a picture. I think it may have even appeared in White Lines, one <laughs> issue or whatever it is. But I just remember this, like, out of all the, I think I did the ski show probably about five times, so like 50 days yeah, over what? five years. Do you know what I mean? And just pretty much one of the only mem- like standout memories I've got of it was like the whole the whole hall, everyone that worked in the whole place was like, yeah. this rumour about this massive turd kind of went round. See, the hours flew by at the ski show. <laughs> Isn't it? What you find remember, hilarious when, when there's nothing else going on. I remember I did the one in NEC Birmingham and these guys came up and they were big guys, like quite fat guys, well-rounded guys. And this guy was trying to buy this board and it was like a 137. But it wasn't like <laughs> when people ride in like those twin tips, like times had moved on. Yeah. And I was like, mate, you should be on like a 164 or something. And this brummy guy was like, what? You don't know what you're on about. You don't know what you're on about. And they're all having a laugh. And Jeremy Slickin just come over and he's like, this guy here, pointing to me, will ride more in one season than you will in your whole life. So fuck off. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he like, really had my back. And I was like, hey, I brought that out of him recently. Like, you remember, but yeah, I all did. Yeah, had my back there. So, Oh, fair play. <laughs> Fair play. So um, let's get into Transform then. Yeah. Transform is your company that makes what? We make gloves, mitts, a few jackets and apparel items, but gloves and mitts are basically what we're known for. And um, yeah, it's uh, good. When, when and why? I started, you know what, it was coming on to not really knowing what I was doing with my life. Like, oh, I can't. You know, I can't work in a snowboard shop forever. I remember I'd go home and apply for jobs. And uh, it turns out, you know, knowing the difference between a back nine and a cab nine isn't that helpful in the in the working world in London. <laughs> no, which no shit. Surprised me. Like, <laughs> you know, I was gathering all this information, which I thought was invaluable. But um, yeah, turns out it isn't. You know, I went, I remember I was still, I think I'd go home and stay with my parents for like a month or something. And uh, I went to the job centre in Lucian, which was like eye-opening, really. My and they God. were basically like, on paper, you've done nothing. Like, yeah. you, you've done your GCSEs and you've literally done nothing. And these are the jobs that are open to you. And it was like, you know, washing dishes in a pub. But I'm not sure if you're qualified for that. <clears throat> you're like, wow, that's really yeah. eye-opening. So, and at the same time, I remember, like, for some reason gloves just weren't that good like you would buy i remember buying a pair of mitts and they were like 80 quid or something which is quite a lot of money back in the day like if you're doing the seasons and i was freezing in them and they fell apart yeah i could i reckon i could do better than this so how'd you go about making a pair of gloves like where did you start just google i was just googling for weeks about factories that could do it would have the minimums and um, I found this factory in China 
and I basically sent them the worst sketch on Photoshop. Like, <laughs> oh, I just want to make this. And uh, I remember there were people in my hof and like, oh my God, this guy thinks he's going to set up a glove company. Like this, and there, there were people laughing at me that I couldn't do it. And I think that spurred me on. I was like, well, why not? Why couldn't I do it? You know, like, yeah. Burton's one guy, or, you know, this is one guy. Like, why could I not do it? And um, I think, yeah, we made like 100 pairs the first season. But because I had friends in the industry, like a, like Tom Copsey from Onboard and stuff, yep. they were already promoting it online, like new glove company coming out. So there was like hype around it. We had a team of riders. <laughs> that was mad. Like we had a team of riders. We had like a few mags, like Method Mag and Onboard were like this new glove company's coming out of Europe before I had a fucking clue what I was doing. I didn't know, you know, the pricing or like the anything. Yeah. So I was like, oh, fuck, now I've got a company. I have to try and learn. No, you better do it. Do this. Yeah, you better do it. <laughs> yeah, so that was it. It just kind of snowballed from there. I think, yeah, it was like 100 pairs the first season and just giving it to friends that are wearing it. It was pretty recognisable the first season because it was like a white leather glove and it had transform in neon green letters across both hands. You know, if you did that, it spelled out transform. Yeah. Is that a conscious? Because I guess that... Was, was social media a thing then so like obviously to make something instantly sort of recognizable yeah it was it was um it's actually called the photo incentive glove was the first one and we it's still called that now like yeah. it it just worked even though the logo is definitely smaller than it was um yeah it was just i think it was there was that website snowboard.com when i set it up do you remember that it was like myspace uh, or but it was myspace for snowboarders Right, so, I don't I don't remember this now. Hey, this was it was literally like MySpace and you'd meet girls at a bar, you're like, oh you on snowboard.com and you know you just slide into the DMs or whatever and it <laughs> cool. Like you just like network with people all over Europe <laughs> on this platform. That was Sorry, it's just the phrase sliding into DMs just kills me. I don't <laughs> think I've ever slid into anyone's DMs. I mean this was thirty years ago, I slided <laughs> twenty years ago, but um yeah, there's a lot of self-promotion then. And um, yeah. yeah, little by little, people took it a bit more seriously and it managed to grow and become a full-time job, which uh, I still think is crazy, really. But um, So, um, yeah, because you came out with that, like, boxing mitt, didn't you? And then didn't somebody kind of, it was about a year later, somebody obviously had a similar idea. Yeah. I and that know. really sort of, that seemed to give you more of a platform as well like ideas like that that i mean that was a i don't know i don't know if anyone else would have come up with that but an english person do you know what i mean it just seems like yeah a, it felt like a very sort of british thing to bring yeah, into the game british humor with that and yeah like the boxing mitt and stuff and just references to london like oh if i didn't know a name of a t-shirt i'd just like oh call it the shoreditch t-shirt you know just lots of yeah london references but i had to tone that down in the end because people just didn't get it like in the global market you know people yeah, are like obviously. what does that mean but i still put in a lot of references like S there's like the se 12 hoodie which is my postcode in lucium and you Represent. know i like to... <laughs> yeah i like you can to take the boy out of southeast london right yeah you've done those <laughs> <laughs> i spent years trying to lose my accent 
I've lost my, I don't know, people can tell I'm English, but it's definitely polished because it's gone down. Because when I first turned up, you know, straight out of Kidbrook High, you know, people couldn't understand a word I was talking about in Austria. F in this and F in that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And <laughs> so, yeah, I had to tone that down a little bit. They're like, what's this English? What's this foreign about? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's got a bit of a confused accent at the moment, but still trying to hold it down. Yeah, yeah I think you did 15 right. years transform is now. Is it 15 years? I don't know if I can count the first years because, like I said, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. It was just a guy with gloves in his backpack. So tell me a bit about that journey. Like, you know, you've obviously made your life in the mountains now, haven't you? Sort of pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And you've um, built a company around that. What's it like living in the mountains with a snowboard company, you know, and doing it? It's many, great. I guess many people would dream of it and you've gone and done it. Yeah, I think I think I'm proof that anyone can do it really if they would if they're driven to do it. Um, you know, it wasn't like I threw a bunch of money with it start. I think those samples cost me like 500 quid. Yeah. That was it. That's I was like I didn't really a lot of people were like oh you're so brave to do it, but I didn't really see it like that because if it didn't work out I'd lost 500 quid basically I could always go and do something else so it wasn't really a a scary venture in a way it was just building up from nothing and every year would get a bit bigger you'd be in a bigger shop or you'd have a bigger distributor carrying you and it was just a natural progression forwards um do you ever get imposter syndrome where you think you know like against other brat or like in any situation where you're just like oh yeah I I started this with not a lot and everyone else seems to have everything yeah i think i get it now if i'm just in a random resort and i see someone wearing transform i'm like wow that's cool i see like in the wild i call it i've seen one in the wild yeah you know you're competing with you know you're wearing a burton t-shirt you compete with oakley and you see like i know a lot of people at burton there's so many people that work there and basically, it's me and my thermals having a cup of tea, you know, come off the hill. <laughs> but, like, the fact that one person bought it sometimes is like, wow, that's cool. But, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a nice feeling to to create something and then see people wearing it, which is cool. The best for me is, like, we, we like doing T-shirts and hoodies. You go to a club in Lux, and I saw all these people wearing, like, transformed T-shirts and hoodies in a club. Sick. I think, like, when you go out, you want to look your best. So, yeah design something that someone's like, oh, I look good in this and go out. Yeah. That's that's a really good feeling. Like gloves, you kind of expect to see and I'm used to it. But yeah, seeing people out someone out in a restaurant or in a club wearing it is yeah, that's a nice feeling, definitely. I really that is like awesome. It. Um yeah. just thinking back to um your when you were saying about going in to see Martin Drayton at the Snowboard yeah. Asylum. And Legend. I was thinking I'm pretty certain at some point you took a folder in of some pictures and stuff and was like trying to get sponsored. Yeah, definitely. I'm pretty I remember... sad. Did that happen or is that just my imagination? No, oh, you know, I took the folder in definitely. Yeah. I remember just, I think it was cause I was hanging around where well, all you guys were all sponsored and it obviously Andy and Matt Davis were sponsored. Of course, and, yeah. and I remember just thinking like, Oh, what you can get free stuff. Like a lot of people are at that age, you know, they think like, getting sponsored is just an amazing yeah. thing. So I'm wondering, do you get do you get much correspondence from the eleven year old version of Tom King's North sending yeah. you stuff asking 
a lot actually a lot yeah a lot of people will message on instagram they're a bit lazy with it now because i would just go down on the train with a book yeah but they would just send you a message like give me some stuff you know send me some free stuff how do you deal with that uh Normally, I send. It really depends. Like, if it's just some mouthy kid, like send me. I'll just ignore it usually. But if it's um, you know, if it's a kid who's put the effort in and like, yeah. this is what I've done. This is what I think I could bring you. Obviously, I reply. And you know, yeah. sometimes we've we've hooked people up because of that. That that have reached out. Yeah. Um. A lot of the time, it's someone like me going to TSA with a book that clearly aren't good enough to get free products. Um, so you let them down gently, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to bum anyone out, but or you just say like, oh, you could do this, this would help, you know, yeah. but sometimes the volume of it is too much to give such a detailed response. So, but yeah, I do try and, uh, I do try and give a nice, nice, nice opinion on it of what they could do better. That's cool. For good reason. If it's, if it's really funny, I'll post it on my, post it on my Instagram story Yeah. with the name blocked out. <laughs> Well, that's kind that's a kind that's a nice kind thing to do um so you've just moved from Meyerhoff and down to Innsbruck so obviously the your relationship with snowboarding is going to change because it's not going to be quite as easy to go riding it's not the same as walking out your front door and having it right there like axiomalism you know it's like a 45 minute yes yeah, so obviously we- you know like you've got a, you've got a plan a bit more how's that going to change your relationship with snowboarding do you think it's not too bad like we have Nordketter here, which is the local mountain. I can see it from yeah, that's window. the one. Yeah, yeah, that's really sick. Like, for, it's mainly park based. It's pretty similar to indoor actually at the top because it's okay. such a small chairlift. Like those people do, like you know, hundred, hundred fifty laps a day. Yeah. But um, I was worried about this because I've never ridden it to the bottom because you can ride it all the way basically to Innsbruck. Yeah now we've had such a good start to the season it's open so you can actually ride through so um yeah we've been blessed with good snow so i'm gonna actually go up there tomorrow and discover it so i think i think i'll be fine actually once i've got um once i know some lines i can take in a hurry to get some powder i'll be good i think is it still got the same appeal as it did when you sort of first turned up in myhofen or when you were riding dry slope to go snowboarding yeah um yes and no i'm definitely more careful about the days i go up you know if it's flat light and icy i've got other things to get on with yeah but if you wake up and it's sunny and you're like what i'm gonna go up you know and there's i always go up and i'm just buzzing as soon as i strap in i'm buzzing and i think i was talking about that with someone the other day like the fact that i wanted to be a sponsored rider or pro rider but didn't make it has actually like given me a bigger love for snowboarding because a lot of those pros they associate snowboarding with being scared or having to push themselves yeah and i don't have to do that now Wait, let me turn it off because i've never had to do that i can just go up and like oh i'm not gonna scare myself or i'm just gonna do a turn there i just love it for the love of the sake of doing it you know i don't i've never had that pressure like you have to do that trick, you have to qualify or, you know, you're financially in trouble. So I think if you're not pro, it kind of gives you a longer lifespan and at the end of it. Yeah. I said this to a couple of riders that I know <clears throat> recently, actually, because with pleasure, 
sometimes you'll be well most of the time you'll be in the same hotel as the riders you know you're at the same restaurant you're at the same event I said I wanted to be pro but you have to hit that kicker and it doesn't look fun I'm going to go and have a hot chocolate and write about (laughs) I'm like so who's the real winner here you know (laughs) yeah but I mean you have one way or another and I'm just wondering whether sort of looking back when you know we knew sort of the 13 year old Tom Kings North whether whether it was always like this life was always going to be for you. Do you know what I mean? Sort of, if you're actually thinking, looking back, it's possibly that it always, you were always going to end up being a lifer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think I'd had such a good start to it and I met so many cool people at an early age. You know, I was going to be a lifer. You know, you meet some people, some people from, from Innsbruck or from a resort that grow up around it. It's just something they do you know occasionally they go up at the weekend or whatever and they don't really give it much thought and they can just quit and do other stuff and yeah but it wasn't like that for me it was you know posters all over the wall and fully absorbed into it from from the start yeah and it's a isn't it like you know i sort of feel now that it's like a precious thing and talking yeah. to people now i think people are really starting to feel that it's a thing that you know wasn't necessarily a given that you were going to be able to do for a long time or yeah or make a life out of and people are and yeah or people are still you know at least trying to sort of go on holidays and stuff because they realize that it's quite an important thing especially after covid as well when people couldn't i think now people have appreciated it a bit more when they do get away i've not spoken to a lot of people like that and when i was Last week or two weeks ago when my dad came out and we were just cruising the slopes, I just thought, like, this is amazing. You know, we've been snowboarding 29 years together. Yeah. We had our first day together. Like, how many things have to align that we're on this we're on this piece now in axiomalism and we're shredding together? Like, you know, he's fit and healthy, I'm fit and healthy. And, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen to to have that long time in snowboarding and still enjoy it and still go running with yeah. someone that long is just it was a really good moment actually so that was that was cool and as your partner is is she as into it as you yeah so she actually she works for pleasure as well so she art director of an agency called norden based in innsbruck and they do the layout for pleasure so she was working there before me i think she might have actually suggested that i could do the editor job so we work together so it's pretty nepotism never hurts does it yeah, exactly. So, and she rides. She she shreds. She's a. Uh, we were up riding powder in Meyerhofen on Saturday, actually. So, yeah, she Sweet, loves it. As well. yeah, it's really cool. That's amazing. Um, just I've just really sort of been honing in on your moustache. Is that so that you can <laughs> buy booze over there? Because <laughs> um, without I, that, I mean, you're you look I eighteen. I think um, it's like an Innsbruck thing because everyone seems to have some moustaches right now. My dad came out and he was like, what? It's like a Tyrolean f- thing, isn't it, I think? Yeah, maybe. i got <laughs> my lederhosen. And just, uh, <laughs> have you got lederhosen? Tell no, me I haven't. You have. you I, haven't. Haven't. I haven't, but a lot of people bum that I don't because everyone has them here. So like a, yeah, of course. like a thing, you know. Um, but no, I've never owned a pair. I feel like I'm not authentic enough to have a pair. But, oh, mate, um, with that tash, you're looking good. I fit right you're in. Definitely. They're expensive, those lederhosen. They're not I cheap. They I bet you've yeah. got to oil them up every so often as well, yeah, haven't you? Got you? To tan them up, nick wax, probably. 
<laughs> no, I'm not coming out tonight. I'm uh, I'm staying in and oiling up my later hosen. Oh, yeah, right. So. <laughs> no, but they're like a antique item, you know. They're it's not like you go down the shop. They're like handed down like old antique item. There, yeah. So quite a nice tradition that they have that outfit. First, I was kind of laughing at it when I first saw it, but it's, it's quite nice that they have that kind of. We don't really oh, have man. that. UK, do we have a tracksuit? Like a Reebok Classics. <laughs> yeah, Reebok Classics. <laughs> Nike Air Grey tracksuit. But we don't yeah. have like a lederhosen. Like Norway got the same. They have their Norway day and they all dress in the same like traditional outfit. And it's awesome. Yeah, we don't really have that. No. I guess the Scots have it with a kilt and that bag. But um, yeah. yeah. It's just England, isn't it? Sort of England. What does it stand for? Do you miss England? Yes and no. Like, I like going back. Like, when I go back to London, obviously, I love it for, yeah. like, a few weeks. Um, but I just don't want to live there. Like, it's it's awesome to visit. Yeah. And I can see why people do live there. But my life is here, and I like being in the mountains a lot. And, yeah, just love it out here. So, definitely, it's not um, – it wasn't easy moving here at first, um, being away from family and stuff. But uh, they yeah. understood. And, yeah, my life is here. But definitely love London a lot. And what can you see for the future? Like, have you got any? I don't know, where's where's transfer? Well, you know, like plans with transform and sort of personal plans. Like, what's left to do? Personal plans. Well, a lot more travel. I'm going to go to uh, Canada over. Oh, over you're, yes, of course. Time. You're fucking yeah. going to Boardface, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to Boardface for. How have you pleasure. wangled that for the magazine? Yeah, with a magazine. So uh, we've been in touch with those guys for a while. And yeah, they got some projects that they want to us document. So, so oh, we should go out and do that, you know, kind of. Definitely should. Yeah, kind of winging it. But um, yeah, so I'm going to go there, which is, yeah, mind blowing really for me, because that's sort of bucket list for anyone who wants to go snowboarding. And I don't know many people that have gone there, just either super pros or real high people up in the industry so that's yeah gonna... Jer- jeremy's been hasn't he i think has it yeah. yeah a few people so. like lizzie from burton's been she's got some funny stories from that like a couple... oh good because we're gonna have her on soon i think are you oh yeah. lizzie yeah lizzie and dan best you gotta have them you gotta have them on as double act really yeah they're great they're I think some of my favourite people in the industry, like you say, you know, oh, they look out for you, but um, you give each other shit, you know, as soon as you <laughs> see each other. And that's um, that's one of the special things about the British industry is that, you know, you might not see someone for 10, 20 years, but you're like, what the fuck's that moustache on your face? As soon as you <laughs> but um, no one else in the world has that, you know, like no, my no. German girlfriend is, oh, you guys are so rude to each other, but we're not. They just, they just, and that's kind of what makes the British scene so special in a way that we have that kind of piss taking mentality. I love it. Do you feel part of like the UK scene and, yeah. and the industry and stuff? Yeah, I feel like you're never out of it, really. Like once you're in it, you're never really out. Even if you don't see those people that often, like you can go to a board test and it's the same characters and you just know everyone. And yeah, I really like the UK scene for that. There's just so many cool people in that scene yeah um, all the reps all the riders yeah i just have a connection with them definitely i feel more part funny to say but i almost feel more part of the british scene still than i do like the german scene or the austrian scene right. even though i spend a lot more time with those guys like it's yeah. just a, a different kind of bond really i think with the british scene 
And if and if punters want to check out Transform, and if they're in the UK, where can they go? They can go to TSA. TSA have it online. Group One, yeah, and a few other shops. So yeah, or transformgloves.com. Sweet, represent. I feel like we could talk about those dry soap days more, like the fancy dress and fucking mental, wasn't it? It was People, mental. Yeah, good time. Betting out to all those like, kids here, like, how much your board worth, mate? <laughs> Do you remember that kid at one of the first... It was the Beckton Outs comp. I think it was the first time like Red Bull got involved and some scally kid smashed about 10 cans of it. It was like literally bleeding out of his eyes. Like his eyes were like totally red. And I remember kids with those red and white pollards you'd get and they were standing on them because they were slippery on the dry side and they would hit the kickers. Like no binding, anything. Just go sending. And um, mate, that Betton, I remember you'd get the greys or little cut, you know, and it would be all that stagnant water in your arm. Yeah. Mate, that was, I'm surprised no one lost a limb on that. Just well, there, aren't, there just aren't any dry slopes. Around aren't London anymore. I think it's Hillingdon's no. gone, hasn't it? I mean, Hemel's turned into a snow centre. I'd rather ride dry something than snow centres. Really? Just, it's just not the same. It's just that horrible snow that I avoid in the resort. I think dry soap was more potential for fun. It was just cool until you got older and more <laughs> sensible. But uh, at the time, I remember the fashion was like, my dad was talking about this, that the fashion was just to land, like, even if you landed on your butt, to try and stand up as quick as possible, make it look like it didn't completely <laughs> fucking annihilate yourself. I remember I'd get off PE. <laughs> pull your ring piece apart. <clears throat> yeah. Here we go. I'm going to show you a picture of my phone. Hold on a second. Let me find it. Um, I found some old pictures from that last night at Bromley, and I sent myself one that was... um. Not of your ring piece, is it? No, 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 I'll save you that. Uh, here we go. Just things that sum up. You ever speak to those guys like Toby? I saw Toby actually like a, year, a couple of years ago, randomly at Amsterdam. I bumped into him at We Out Here, that festival. Oh, yeah. About um, Dan and Simon, remember them? Simon Moore was it? I do remember. I don't. I haven't seen or spoken to them in years and years. Here you go. Have a look at that. Oh, what is that in there? Finger? No, 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 no. It's nothing in there. It's just the fucking bristles. Oh, great! I remember when you buy a new jacket and you'd want to look flash in the dry soap, like the snowboard jacket. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck are you wearing that? <laughs> yeah. I look good. Yeah, and it would be like fucked, wouldn't it? And like. A session completely. Oh, it's fall. just you like get a brand new board and take it down there. You, then, it's you like know. skate shoes that uh, you'd, you know, you're like, I, I'm not going to skate in these and just going to wear them. And then you're like, Oh, I'm going to try and skate in them. And then they're trash that instantly. <laughs> you're playing with a snowboard, you're like, Oh, I'm going to save this for snow. And you'd save yeah. it for like two weeks and then you'd ride it and completely destroy it. Thing is, everyone, like, you couldn't afford two boards. Do you know what I mean? You could only afford one. So you got the one you no. wanted. Yeah. And you had to exactly. ride it. That was the beauty about dry set, though, how cheap it was, and you'd get all those characters because it only paid like a tenner for four hours. And there would yeah. just be people that could probably never afford to go to the mountains, but they would go to dry set every week. And they were some of them were sick, but yeah. they could have probably made it as like good riders if they'd had the opportunity to. But it's just how many dry slopes there were as well. Like what around London, there was Hillingdon, Beckton, Bromley, Hemel, yeah. Chatham, Chatham. That one so, you know, no, like, they go to... just within that quite a small area, there's 
groups of people at each one, and there's that all around the country, but yeah. I'm guessing most of them are shut down now. Yeah. It's great. And the, yeah, that scene, like in the same in Netherlands, they had all the indoor slopes, and they had like such a big scene there. You'd go, yeah. and there'd be hundreds of kids like every week, and now they all died out, that scene. Like, no, really? Just, yeah. I've heard the same in the UK, that people just don't ride it anymore. Don't know what happened there, but... I don't know. Well, I guess that was part of doing this, really, is try and sort of bring some, you know, bring it alive again, help yeah. try and sort of reinvigorate and sort of inject some of that that yeah. magical dust that we had back then, try and sort of inject some of that back in, because all you see is, all you see on TV now is competition snowboarding, and is that is that what people are hyped on? The hype is doing it, isn't it? Because that's the fun thing. Yeah. It's now at such an insane level that is it relatable? I don't know. So that's what I'm trying to find out, really. Yeah. I see that a lot on the... It's, we can put all this in as well, if you want. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like that, um, I see it on the UK Facebook group, you know? It'd be like, oh, this guy's just landed at 18. Nothing over a back three should be allowed. And I'm like... Like, I've refrained from joining in on that, because I'm like, chill out. Like, that guy, he can still do a back 180, and he yeah. can do it better than fucking Jamie Lynn can. He's just not <laughs> going to win a contest doing an eight, uh, like a 180, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like he can do front freeze better than you ever can on, you know, hill ends. Anything. Anything. It's just, he's going to do an 18 that day. You don't have to... You don't have to do them as well, you know. It's not yeah. like you. And have that to... is, that isn't all of snowboarding. That's yeah. It's such a Billy Morgan used to get so much hate for that, Did and he's he? like, I just like to go out with my mates, get drunk, and I like to flip on my snowboard. And like, I felt sorry for him because he'd tell me that he'd go to events and he'd see riders that he like really looked up to, and they're like, oh, he's a kook, he's that flipping kid or whatever, and he. He's rad, you know, he's super cool, but he had that kind of, because he was doing those flips, people like judged him for it. He's like, he can still ride like super good. He just knows how to win a contest. I mean, he got a fucking medal from it. Because, you know, where's your medal, you know? Yeah, (laughs) and like, I don't know, you know, sort of for me, I don't know that Olympics is, it certainly doesn't represent 90% of snowboarding, but if you're in it and you want to make a career, an Olympic medal is going to, fucking helps set you up for the rest of your yeah. life isn't it and that's what's changed about snowboarding now it's not like there's so many good riders like everyone can ride as good as everyone basically they don't have the choice to like oh i'm just going to go out and film this video part because if you don't have that personality that's going to sell products you know you're not going to be it's not going to come across on film you have to have a personality as well yeah. So they're kind of forced to do those contests so they can go riding, you know, and that involves going to fist contest, which a lot of people hate on, but they don't really have a choice. If they want to go snowboarding, that's it. And some of them branch into videos later or some of them do well out of contests. But, yeah, I feel it's harder these days to to make it as a pro. You have to do that contest circuit. Are you cracking the whip with your riders? A little bit sometimes. Um, not really. Like before it was way more contest based. But I was going to a lot of contests and you do get like absorbed into that world, you know. It's exciting when you're there at the top and you see someone do something good. It's like this little bubble. It's it's cool. Especially like going to, you know, those big ones like Aaron Style when you were at the drop in. It's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. to be part of it. How many of those did you go to? Uh Aaron Style, quite a few. There was ones in Innsbruck and the Burgies, all that legendary 
stadium yeah they were the best because i don't know how many people there were 20,000 15,000 maybe not as many as that it felt like that yeah but they they're there all day everyone's drunk and the crowd like it was just like the rome coliseum you know the noise would travel around it was just electrifying you couldn't not get hyped on it even if it was someone doing a trick that was like kind of kooky you'd yeah. still get like fully hyped with it people would love it we were talking about that the other day like aaron style when i was riding bromley like those days you'd be you'd get snowwood uk or whatever white lines and you'd find out who won it the year before like aaron style would be that weekend but yeah. you'd find out who won it the year before <laughs> in the magazine <laughs> like oh stephen gimple cab nine again like, oh, really <laughs> And the current one was going on, but you had no way to access that information till like a year later, which is mental when you think about that. Yeah, yes. Find information out. was really slow getting through, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like pigeon carrier. A year later, you'd find out. <laughs> yeah. So that's, what happened that's... to Gimple? He's one of your crew, isn't he? He's out, he's out there, isn't he? Um, I haven't seen him for a while he's a photographer now i think he's like good that's quite a common thing for like pros transition photography so yeah he's a photographer i believe okay still probably killing it you know see that's a name that sort of didn't has didn't quite achieve legendary status even though he absolutely smashed it didn't he yeah he's from leo gang i remember i went through there like when he Doing well with Aaron Style and El posters and everywhere, you know, right. like local heroes. Stephen Gimple is from here. So, yeah, if you're from Leo Gang, he definitely probably is a legendary <laughs> status. But if you're from... he eats for free in Leo Gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, funny that little bubble, you know, like if you go to some countries, or yeah, you'd just be with a rider, you know, and people come up like, oh my God, it's you. Like I was with Steve Bailey. And yeah. you realize in their country, they're massive, like big, big names, especially like those Norwegians and Finns and stuff. Yeah. I went to Helsinki and this rider we've got, any Rukiyavi, she's on the show, you know, she's photos of her in a supermarket, no you know, way. like posters of her. And you're like, what are you doing up there? You know, yeah. imagine you're not going to see that in. You're not going to see Danny Wheeler in Tesco's, you know? He's no, just... we'll tell you, actually, do you not remember? I don't know if you knew about this, but Dave was on the front cover of a CD called Snowboard Generation. That had I remember that, all yeah. All up in HMV and stuff. We were talking about that the other day. <laughs> At the Glades. I mean, I mean amazing. Like, not yeah. many people got that. Yeah, exactly. Things like that were amazing. I was in Dry Slope magazine once. I think my name was in it. That was pretty... I've got some of them. Have you? Yeah, up in the house. I'm I mean, going to try um, and find it. It's that one for the Bromley comp. And uh, I always talk about John Weaver because... Uh, oh, like, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. John Weaver turned up on his race board and beat me in the slalom. <laughs> it was a fucking <laughs> slalom. We still remember we had slalom contest and I came, I think I came second or third. <laughs> I still bring that a Weaver. <laughs> oh, you're going to bring your race board, are you? Like... <laughs> Yeah, got, yeah, old, got an old pair of mega flexes or something that you're gonna get out <laughs> oh positive angles coming out <laughs> yeah 45 45 hero. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh you got your do-rag on like that still comes <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yeah. all right all right mate. we need to leave it there because i've got to go and feed my kids wicked all Dude, right chris what Thank a pleasure you. yeah thanks i'm for so me. looking for another reason why i'm getting so stoked on coming to larks Oh, if you're going to be so there, I can't wait. Coming. 
That's amazing. I can't wait. We'll swap numbers. So there you are. Tom Kings North of Transform Gloves. Um, that was a real pleasure, as I think you could probably hear in that interview. I laughed a lot. Tom is a great guy, good sense of humour. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him next week. And you might have also noticed how much more sweary I was in that interview as well. It seems that uh, the South East London connection kind of takes me back. And uh, the swearing tends to come out a little bit more. But there you go. I was just noticing that as I was editing it. <clears throat> so what else is going on? Yeah, as I said, I'm going out to Larks next week with the TSA and the Reason magazine. Um, hoping to get an interview with Mia Brooks and her family to talk to them about what life is like at the very top of the sport. Um, that's really interesting. Hoping to also chat with Henry Jackson who is commentating. Uh, Ed Lee and Tim Warwood are out there as well doing something for the BBC, so maybe we can do something with them if they've got a spare bit of time. And, uh, yeah, just going to see who else we bump into. I've got a feeling it's going to be a big kind of communal event and there will be lots of people there, so I'm hoping to see who I see and get people on as I can. So, yeah, we're going to load up on content. I'm also going to try and film a bit of the competitions. I'm going to try and get underneath that first hit in the pipe because from some clips that are doing the rounds on Instagram, the uh, the first hit in the pipe is stratospheric. So I'm going to try and get close to that and try and get some footage that will go up on the Instagram, which is Thank You Snowboarding Podcast. Uh, and speaking of which, big shout out to everyone that's been that's just started following. Um, it's really great. And people that have been getting in touch through Instagram, um, it's really kind. And we appre I appreciate your nice comments. And it seems that people are enjoying the podcast. So that's really, really great. And then some other people that have got in touch recently, people like Matthew Taylor, Leon Butler, there's JP Challoner, who knows that guy. Uh, ben Weezer and others who have been sending messages as well just to talk about snowboarding a little bit. Thank you very, very much. Uh, it's much appreciated. If you want to email me direct, you can. It's thankyousnowboarding at gmail.com. That's a U in the middle, not a Y-O-U. If you want to email me, yeah, thankyousnowboarding at gmail.com. Right, the tune at the top of this episode is Reef. And feed me, and that is because in this interview, Tom mentions watching Odd Man Out, and Odd Man Out has to be well in any conversation around UK snowboarding. Odd Man Out is a big thing that certainly maybe got watched more in the UK by UK riders than anywhere else in the world. There was a certain London connection, Christian Stevenson has called England his home for a long long time now ever since then I think and he was one of the guys that made it uh, a killer soundtrack due to hookups in the UK music industry which is why if you look it up on YouTube that you can't actually hear the soundtrack because it's all been blocked but uh, I think the person that put the video up has also put the soundtrack on Spotify I don't know if it runs as it should but you can certainly, if you want to find it, you'll find the soundtrack on Spotify. So, yeah, that's Reef and Feed Me. And as Tom mentioned, that was sort of the movie that got him into it. And rightly so, rightly so, the standout section from that's got to be Axel Poporte. 
who wouldn't want to see that guy going at it? Uh, what else? So, yeah, the Instagram is growing and growing, which is really cool. Uh, big shout out to everyone on the UK Snowboard Facebook group as well. Um, you've all been very kind, not minding me post content on there nearly every day. Big shout out, obviously, to the Snowboard Asylum. Um, turns out I need some new boots. They're going to hook me up. I'm going up there on Wednesday, going to try some stuff on. I, I went over to my brother Dave's house on Friday night. Um, his episode was last week and I went over there because he's got my snowboard waxing kit and he showed me his new pair of 32 boots which I was blown away by how light they are I can't believe that snowboard boots have changed that as much since I last bought a pair but it feels like there's been a real big push in technology in boots so that's pretty interesting so I wasn't that bothered about boots but Actually, going to look at some new ones is now really interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing what new tech and stuff is abound. Um, so, yeah, other than that, it's just business as usual. Um, if you would like to support the podcast, all you've got to do, you'd obviously, you don't have to send us any money or subscribe to anything, but what you can do is leave us a review um, on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is you get your podcast from. A review would be great. Uh, also, sharing it with your friends, friends that go snowboarding. Maybe you've got a snowboard trip planned and uh, you want to get some people hyped on it. It would be great if you could share it around on your social media. It would be much appreciated. You can find us, uh, I think the Facebook page is sort of up now, although it's not connected with the Instagram right now, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. If any social media whizzes want to get in touch to help me fix that problem, that would be appreciated as well. Um, so, yeah, just like, subscribe, share, do what you can. Obviously, spread the word on this one because it all helps. And I think that's it for now. Um, I'm going to try and drop next week's episode sort of from Larks as well. I'm going to record it there. So we'll be speaking to you from Switzerland, and I very much look forward to it. But in the meantime, thank you, snowboarding. Peace.